0: Don't take no mess at the Rose Garden. Pays us there on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. the teams can't it a lick. How they win that game today. There's just one thing you can say. How to start and shoot that three. it ain't
1: easy.
0: How did Brian jump so sweet?
1: it ain't easy. Welcome back to the Rose Garden podcast and the author of the Rose Garden Report newsletter, which you can subscribe to at rosegardenreport.com. Free and paid subscriptions are available. The podcast, as always, is part of the Odyssey family. You can check us out on the Odyssey app, as well as on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and anywhere else that you get podcasts. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review, do all of that stuff. The Blazers have played their first two preseason games, their two home preseason games. They blew out the New Zealand Breakers in the first game, which, you know, it's kind of to be expected because the New Zealand Breakers are not an NBA team. And then they lost last night to the Phoenix Suns, who played Kevin Durant and Devin Booker for the first half, but not the second half, but... That's kind of what you would expect when a team that's so young and has this many new guys and this many rookies is going up against a team that has Kevin Durant and Devin Booker on it. So, like, I I think there was some interesting stuff to kind of take away from both of them. I think Scoot Henderson has looked pretty good. It's been really interesting to kind of watch him learn to play off the ball a little bit. I think that's something that's going to be worth watching. I thought DeAndre Ayton looked pretty good in the first game and then kind of rough in the second game. Uh tumani kamara has looked really good uh when i talk about him on this podcast which is with uh gerald borgay who has been on the show before he was on the show about a year ago when the blazers played the suns and the two teams were in very different spots at the time and i figured now with a little bit of time and some preseason games under their belts for both the blazers and the suns it would be a good time to check in with gerald from who, who covers the suns for phnx uh which is a uh, outlet down there that's part of the All City Network, and he does you know a daily podcast and covers the team from the writing side. does Does a great job covering that team, but he's gotten to see some of Yusuf Nurkic and Nasir Little. Us now in Portland have gotten to see some of DeAndre Ayton in a couple of games, and so I figured you know in the aftermath of the trade, and now that you know both sides of it are kind of starting to get their feet under them a little bit as far as getting settled in and you know people getting their first impressions of the guys in the new spots I figured it would be a good time to bring Gerald on to talk about kind of both sides of that deal and kind of how they we kind of see it going Gerald gave me some pretty good insight about DeAndre Ayton and you know some of the positives and negatives of his game and you know his impressions of his personality as somebody that covered him for a long time I thought it was really insightful and worth listening to and I learned a lot from it and then we also talked a little bit about what his first impressions of uh, Nasir Little and Yusuf Nurkic have been in Phoenix so far so I thought that was kind of interesting to get his perspective from about two guys that I obviously know very well having covered them in Portland for several years so we get into all that and then a little bit more and just kind of some general like how he sees the Suns season going and some of that kind of stuff so let's get into that now. So, Gerald, we're recording this the morning after the first of two games between the Blazers and the Suns in this preseason. What were your kind of first, you know, what was it kind of like for you to watch, I guess, DeAndre Ayton play against the Suns for the first time since the trade?
0: It was it was interesting. It was a weird sensation. And it was kind of um, familiar in terms of some of the things that he did well and some of the things that he did not do well, um, which kind of was reassuring in a way but also i hope that he's able to expand what we've seen from him in phoenix over there um because last night looked like a lot of the same things we've been saying about him for years oh so
1: so like what like what is that like what like going because i'm still getting obviously like i've watched him you know over the years in phoenix but not every single day like you have i'm just now starting to be like really obviously since now he's on the team that i cover get you know getting into kind of you know familiarizing myself with his game in that way. So when you say it was like the good and the bad of, you know, what the eight and experience was, I'm really curious kind of what you mean by that.
0: Yeah. So here in Phoenix, like you see the signs of potential and the areas where if he can put those things together, like he'll be in business, like the, the sequence he had where he had to block on one end um, and then, you know, running the floor, being able to catch the ball in the short roll and actually put it on the ground close the distance, attack the rim. He had that one dunk uh, where the Suns coverage pretty much broke down and he took advantage of it. Like, that's what the Suns have been wanting him to do for years. Um, And you could see kind of the contrast in Aiton in that respect and Nurkic last night in terms Mm -hmm. of his passing in those situations. It's one of the big reasons the Suns love Nurk's fit here. Um, But then you also see with Aiton, like, The hesitance to attack sometimes, settling for that mid-range, you know, top of the paint floater or hook shot or mid-range shot. Like, that's kind of what he does a lot of the time. Um, And it's not bad because he is a good mid-range shooter. But some of those times you're like, just take one power dribble and attack the rim, get to the free throw line, something like that. Um, You know, his, his offensive repertoire is a little... Uh, limited in terms of he wants to do things on offense that maybe he doesn't have the skill set for yet, and I hope that in Portland he's able to get more of those chances. But like you saw that one dribble spin move that he had, Jordan Goodwin, it's been scouted. Everyone in the league knows he's going to spin towards the middle. Goodwin dug it and got the steal. It's one of the more predictable moves in his arsenal. So it's one of those things where he needs to continue adding to his his tool bag and. You know, I, I, I want to say that he will get more opportunities to do that in Portland. But at the same time, like you guys got Scoot, you've got uh, Simons, you've got Shade and Sharp. These guys are all going to need touches and their opportunities to get up shots. So it's one of those things where at some point he's going to either have to add these things to his arsenal or just accept that he's
1: not that type of player. That's actually something that Chauncey Billups said last night is that, you know, he when when Dayton was in Phoenix they're obviously their goal, you know, they have him, they have Durant, they have Booker, like their, their goal is to compete for a championship. So he has a certain, like, I mean, you have guys, you know, we have that many great shooters and, you know, now Bradley Beal as well. And before that, Chris Paul, and you have that many other great offensive players, like he's going to have to play a role and he's maybe not going to be the focal point. My understanding is that at least at first, as of right now, the two guys that they're, planning on getting most of the shots for because I mean you watched Scoot the first I mean you saw him last night and maybe we'll I'll get your thoughts on him as someone who just watched him kind of from the outside but the first two nights I mean Scoot can get to the basket but the thing that has been impressing people about Scoot so far is his playmaking for others mm-hmm. and his unselfishness and so I don't think they're really going to be trying to get Scoot 30 shots a night I don't think that's really what they're trying to do with him the two guys that I think they're really going to try to create most of the offense for are going to be Anthony Simons because that is kind of what he does. He's a scorer. And DeAndre Ayton and Chauncey said last night after the game that there's stuff that Ayton maybe feels like he could do that he didn't get to do in Phoenix because they have so many other guys that the whole thing is built around. And they're going to kind of spend this year. He didn't say this part, but you you and I both know the Blazers are not really focused on trying to make the playoffs this year like that's just not a realistic thing for them and so because they don't have the we have to win a title with this expensive veteran roster kind of expectations that the team like Phoenix does they're gonna maybe have a little bit more room for Aiton to maybe try stuff out and then over the course of the season they'll figure out some of the stuff you're talking about that like maybe he feels like he can do or that he wants to add to his game which of that stuff is going to work and which of that stuff isn't. And then they, they hope that by the end of the year, they'll be able to kind of refine. Okay. Maybe he can do a little bit more Phoenix, but like maybe this is also some stuff he should stay away from.
0: Yeah, no. And that's exciting. Cause like there are a lot of people out here in Phoenix that were very low on Aiton by the time he left. Um, and I think his limitations, especially on a team like the Suns were very clear, like his first rookie year, they were terrible his second year he gets suspended for those 25 games right at the start of the season. Um, and then it's the short. Yeah. Right. And then he comes back for the bubble run. Um, and then the third year they have Chris Paul and expectations are drastically different. And from then on, they've been competing for championships. So his ability to kind of take his time and, and actually grow some of these skills might've gotten lost in the shuffle. Um, Maybe not lost in the shuffle, but there were certain things they wanted him to do in terms of his big man duties that he told us straight up, you know, after that finals run when he didn't get paid, he was telling us like, I don't like my big man duties. He said that pretty much straight up um, and said, he wanted to do more. He wanted to take threes. He wanted to be more of a focal point on offense because in his mind, he did all the little things, all the big man duties that, should have got him paid because the team went to the finals and whatnot, didn't get paid. So in his mind, he's saying, okay, I guess I got to do more. Um, and since then they, they kind of had to walk a line between, okay, how do we get Aiton opportunities to expand his game, do things that he wants to do and do the things that we know he needs to do because we have Devin Booker and Chris Paul, and he's just not going to be you know, the second option on offense. Even Mikhail Bridges was probably ahead of him right. in that pecking order. So I, I think it's exciting for Portland fans and and for people who have been watching Da to see what he might be able to do, um, but in my mind, I'm I'm kind of in a you're going to have to prove to me that you actually have these skill sets and that you're aware of the things that you need to work on because we've been saying it for years like the guy just he doesn't have a handle he doesn't really have moves in the post aside from a hook shot which is a very efficient hook shot um, settles for mid range quite a bit. He's really efficient finishing around the basket, but he's a guy that kind of needs to be set up in that way. So really effective screen and roll guy. Outside of that, I'm not too sure, you know, what he's able to do that he wants to do offensively.
1: Was it really just as far as like why things broke down the way that they did in Phoenix? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you saw that clip the other day where he was asked about it and he just had (laughs) absolutely no interest in elaborating on anything or talking about it and i'd also just i noticed like before the game last night when they i don't know if you caught this on tv but i was in the building last night but they were getting going out on the court for the opening tip and him and katie just like walked past each other and like didn't even look at each other i don't know if it's like yeah. a body language doctor thing i kind of try not to read too much into that stuff but just you know you combine that with some of the other stuff you've heard over the years about you know the way things went with him and Monty, or with him and Chris Paul. And, you know all of that, but uh, was it real? Like, was it really just that? Like he quote unquote sacrificed to to help get help get them to the finals, and then he didn't get the money that he thought he was going to get. Was that really what it all it was? That kind of led to it, or was it also just like some personality stuff with him and Monty or him and Chris? Like what? Like it to, as somebody who is around the team every day and is, you know, knows people in that organization certainly a lot better than I do. Like what actually was it that led to kind of the way that it ended up going at the end?
0: Yeah, I think on a foundational level, it was the fact that, you know, until the Suns hands were forced to pay to match the Pacers offer for him, Mm -hmm. he didn't get his money. Um, I think there was just some general tension between him and everybody else on the Suns in terms of what his role should look like. Um, you know, like I was talking about wanting to do more, not getting paid, thinking that means he needs to do more. Um, and and I also think like the personality thing became a factor because I know for most of the tenure, like Monty and D.A. got along great. Like when he got suspended, D.A. talked about how Monty was instrumental in kind of getting his head right after he felt like he let the team down um, and he viewed Monty as a father figure. So. When D.A. finally did get paid and he didn't hear from Monty all summer, that was a big storyline coming into that season. uh, I think he felt hurt by that. I think he felt betrayed. Um, And this was coming off that Game 7 very public you know, shouting match between the two of them when they're getting wrecked by Dallas in Game 7. And and (laughs) I didn't know for certain whether that was something that really happened until the quote came out that Monty allegedly said, "You freaking quit on us," which is a very Monty thing to say. Yeah, <laughs> like not cursing the freaking yeah, no, steal the deal for me. <laughs> like, I've known Monty
1: for a long time. That sounds a lot like Monty. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. So I was like, okay, that probably did happen. But um, and just the fact that you know Monty didn't address it the very next day for exit interviews, um, it, it felt like there was some tension there, and the fact that it lingered over the entire summer. That contract extension was maybe an opportunity to extend an olive branch, patch things up before the season. It didn't happen, Um, and like I like I've said, I I think there are faults on both sides in this. I think Da, a lot of the times, if he just played better, like a lot of this stuff would have been nipped in the bud. But when you are playing with Devin Booker, with Chris Paul, with Monty Williams, these are guys that are you know cutthroat competitors, and. When you are not of that same kind of mindset, it it stands out. And I love DA. He's one of the best human beings that I've been able to cover, covering the Suns. Um, but there is that factor to him where sometimes he's not as locked in mentally. Like he he's just basketball is not what he lives and breathes like some of these guys are. And I think that was a personality clash with guys like Book, with guys like KD. Um, and at a certain point, you know, there was the thing he said at media day where he mentioned, you know, accommodating his wishes or whatever, mm-hmm. which made it sound like he re- had requested a trade. I still don't I've heard from some people. That's true. I've heard from some. It's not. So I'm not 100 percent clear on that. Um, But it did feel like everybody involved needed a fresh start
1: at that point. I don't know if he requested a trade, but I think it's been pretty well known for like a year and a half that he had wanted to. Get out like I like I think it's like it's pretty clear that like when the Suns a didn't offer them the the extension before his fourth season and then when they just waited for Indy to give him the offer sheet Mm -hmm. the next summer. And by the way, I know that Portland kicked the tires on trying to get him at that point when it seemed after that game seven against Dallas when it seemed like, you know, things were really going to (laughs) go south and everybody was just done with him. They kicked Mm -hmm. the tires on it then it just was hard to make the money work so it was something that had been on their radar for a while so tell me about him as a person because I'm still kind of trying to you know in the process of trying to get to know him a little bit and I've got I've gotten the sense that I think he'll be more open to talking to us and actually you know having real conversations with us Mm -hmm. once the season starts because that that He was so he was we we only because we didn't have like an introductory press conference with him like you normally do after a trade because the Dame trade happened like less than a week before camp so they just did everything at media day, and he was great on media day and he was great the time we talked to him down in Santa Barbara during training camp but then you know that that clip that kind of went viral the other day of him, uh, shutting down the talk about Phoenix that was kind of a weird availability in general because it wasn't just the phoenix stuff the phoenix stuff is the part that got clicked clipped and was like being shared everywhere but really what like the way it went was they brought we we, we hadn't gotten to talk to him after the uh first preseason game because we were all like sitting around sitting around the locker room waiting for scoot and he kind of left but mm-hmm. uh Aiden, you know he they bring him over to practice I start out, because we hadn't talked to him after the game, I start out by just asking him, like, how do you think your first preseason game went? How do you think you played? And he was really good in that game, by the way. He only played in the first half, but he looked really good in that game. So I just kind of asked a pretty basic, like, how do you think you played in your first preseason game with your new team? And he just kind of looks at looks at us and goes, I barely played. It's still training camp. Like, And he like, didn't even want to talk about that. And then guys, other guys started asking him about the Phoenix stuff, which – I don't think it was particularly unfair to ask him about because, you know, he's playing against his former team for the first time, so, you know, that's going to be... And especially when, you know, you're the former number one overall pick and things publicly went the way they did, you're going to get asked about it. And so he completely shut that down, and then he was like, I don't want to talk about Phoenix. I thought we were going to be talking about uh, the game last night, and it's like, well, I just... Asked you about (laughs) the game last night and you shut that down too but i like like a couple of us have you know talked to him i I got this i got the sense that he's gonna be a lot more willing i think i think right now since it's training camp he's like still feeling some stuff out uh but i'm still in the process of kind of trying to get to get a feel for him personally so i mean you you've you've been covering the suns for a long time you've been around for his entire career so i'm just curious kind of your you know your read on like Him as a dude, you said he's like one of the best people you've ever covered. So like like what is that what does that entail? Like what does that mean?
0: Yeah, I mean I I think he's just he's one of those people that just wakes up happy in the morning. Like he's um, you know, obviously becoming a father in the last season or two, like that um kind of brought on a new sense of responsibility and maturity for him. Um, it it doesn't always show though, because he is such a jovial, like energetic personality. Most of the time, there are those bouts where like, like you were mentioning, um, where there are certain things that he won't want to talk about and it'll kind of kill the vibe for the whole like media Mm -hmm. scrum. Um, and you know, it is what it is in that regard. I, I, I've said this, I feel like it was a totally fair question and a fair follow-up in terms of asking about his former team because yeah. um, there are emotions there it's very clear yeah. it's fine and it's if he not doesn't just want to talk like about
1: it and it's not just like I mean because guys change teams all the time in the NBA now nowadays it's not like mm-hmm. oh just some guy who played on the team for a couple of seasons like asking him about his former team this is a the former number one overall pick the guy mm-hmm. that for the rep as long and I think I said because I went on your show back like right after the trade happened and I mm-hmm. kind of said something from the outside and I'm actually curious kind of your thoughts on this too but As long as he was in Phoenix, he was always going to be the guy that they drafted instead of Luka. And that was always going to be part of the thing. And I don't know how much that was like a day-to-day thing that people talked about in Phoenix, like after all the issues, especially after they lost to Phoenix in that uh, (laughs) playoff series a couple of years ago. But like there is so much baggage. And and the fact that there was such a high-profile public, you know, in that Game 7 against Dallas, like breakdown between him and Monty. And then last season also went... The way that it went and like Mm -hmm. there is going to be stuff like i don't think anybody in the in the in that media availability the other day asked anything that was unfair or that wasn't like you know fair game to ask but i also understand why he didn't want to talk about it and i mean the fact that he didn't want to talk about it like he he could have just like taken the high road and said like you know i love my time in phoenix but i'm focused on right now like he could have like he could have just done that but he it was pretty clear like there was a reason he did not want to talk about it yeah,
0: and, and he'll he'll get like that from time to time, especially when there are the less pleasant things to talk about. And it feels like over the last year or two, there's been a lot more of those things. So he's been that way more often. But for the most part, like he was always good to me, Dwayne Rankin, and Kellen Olsen, who are kind of like the three guys that are always around because mm-hmm. um, he knows we're just trying to do our job. And he was always pretty willing to talk to us, even if it was about things that he didn't want to answer questions for um he's because he's such a like happy dude in general it can sometimes come off as um like immaturity um but he's not like dumb by any means he he's if you get into the weeds with like basketball stuff about him he's actually pretty good about you know describing different coverages and relaying almost word for word what we would hear from Monty in terms of asking those same questions so he he, he's very retentive in that regard um but it's just because you know when he starts referring to himself as dominating or in the third (laughs) person it kind of it comes off you're just like you're just like okay
1: dude yeah no and like like, it's one thing and like i i could already see a a scenario this year where like he goes like two for ten from the field with four rebounds and people and like and like the PA like call for when he scores says dominate and people are just like okay really like <laughs> yeah. i always i always feel like i'm i'm generally against self-given nicknames but it's also like if you're going to call yourself dominate you better be you know playing like nikola yeah. jokic every night
0: right that's basically. the that was one of the big hangups here and I, i'm really i'm excited for this fresh slate for him in that regard too because by the end of it kind of the fan relationship with aiton had gotten toxic you know making fun of that nickname and um you know the the viral clip of him kind of standing under the basket while Nikola Jokic was getting offensive rebound after offensive rebound like uh because he had he had said something about you know someone had asked about his motor and he had mentioned I run on Tesla battery and you know (laughs) that it's just things like that that are like unprompted where he's like he he sets himself up for failure because he's such a um, honest and happy guy. He'll just say the first thing that's on his mind. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you wish he would give what he was saying a little bit Like a bit Carl Anthony thought.
1: Towns thing where some of the stuff he's... He means well, but some of the stuff he right. says, you're just like, you really... You made this harder for yourself than you needed to.
0: Right. It's exactly that.
1: <laughs> Speaking of fresh starts, mm-hmm. what have your impressions been of Nurgic so far?
0: Yeah. So I'm i'm encouraged by what i've seen i still think come playoff time the defensive end is going to remain a question mark i think if anyone is able to kind of get this version of Nurkic to lock in defensively and just do what he's asking him to do it's frank vogel um so i like the fit in that regard i do think like in last night's preseason game the passing and ability to play make out of the short roll or just keep the ball moving is something that makes him an upgrade for this roster compared to Aiton. Just in that respect, like um, you know, we saw them running you know some backdoor cuts when he got the ball at the elbows. We saw him making some plays out of the short pocket when he caught that one pass you know fake to a cutting Nasir Little and hit KD on the wing for three. Like that's the kind of stuff that Aiton didn't do. Like he just was that was not in his skill set to do those things. Um, defensively, I. You know, the, I'm, I've never been a big drop coverage guy, and that's what you're going to have to do with Nurk a lot of the time just because of the foot speed. Um, but when the last two games they've had him play up to the level of the screen a little bit more, and they've had the other three guys kind of early rotating to try and, you know, cover for him to get back but also generate steals. They weren't good at that at all in the first quarter last night. You saw Portland go off for 40 points, and they missed a lot of those kind of reads. Um that you know help the Blazers get easy baskets but I think it's a work in progress because they have what like 11 or 12 new guys on the roster so they've both they, these know, teams
1: you, are pretty much like yeah it's, I saw some I saw something that the only player left on the team from the team that made the finals in 21 is book
0: yeah it's crazy that is wild <laughs> like, yeah and, and the only guys back from last year are KD who played like all of 19 games yeah. Josh Jacoby, Damian Lee and Ish Wainwright, who might not make the roster. So it's it's basically all new guys, all new coaching staff, um, learning a new defensive system. So it's going to take time. But I've been encouraged by what I've seen when he's up to the level of the screen. There are breakdowns. Like there was one where I can't remember if it was Scoot or Simons that just kind of, you know, rounded the corner on him, got an easy layup, and he like immediately put his hand up because he knew. Yeah. Um, but Nur- Nurk is also, he's just an awesome dude to talk to um like he he does not hold back in terms of what he's thinking it was no, no he does like i don't know if you saw but his clip from media day that went viral in terms of uh someone oh, the, was asking stuff
1: yeah. yeah yeah i saw like, that. that was yeah nurk yeah. is nurk is a good dude nurk is very he is nurk is very misunderstood i think in a lot of ways and i will say some of the stuff that you were talking about earlier with Ayton, where sometimes like he would get moody if he wasn't getting the ball enough or, mm-hmm. you know, he felt like he wasn't being used correctly. Get ready because you're going to yeah. see some <laughs> of that stuff with Nurkic at, at various points. Maybe it'll be a little bit less of, you know, since I, he might realize that he's playing with Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal and Devin Booker. So he's probably not going to mm-hmm. get a ton of shots. Whereas a lot of the time in Portland, it was like, obviously, Dane was the number one guy, but like. I think he felt at times like he should be the the number two guy. Uh, I will say I went to shoot around yesterday for the Suns to see him. And mm-hmm. as he sat down, first of all, this is, I th- I, this is probably like a clear, like he's probably saw the clip of Aiton from the other day at practice, but he sits mm-hmm. down and before we like turn the cameras on, he goes, you guys can ask me about my former team if you want. <laughs> like he was just like, and he had like he had like he was talking like he, I'm sure you saw the the stuff that he said at shoot around. He had nothing but good things to say about his time in Portland. And by the way, he mentioned that the Blazers front office was very transparent and upfront with him and worked with him on. Finding a trade, which now that's two, you know, him and Drew Holiday is two players that have said that about the Portland front office. So I just felt like with some of the rhetoric that's coming out of Miami, I just felt like that was what? like, <laughs> I felt like, and some of the, oh, Scoot is going to watch how they treat, like, all like, yeah. I just, I just thought that was worth noting. But anyway, yeah, Nurk, Nurk is a great dude, but yeah, Nurk is very like hard on his sleeve. And like, if he's in a bad mm-hmm. mood, you'll, you'll know about it. And he, he's also somebody, I think he needs to spend less time on social media.
0: He's he's very active on, he's on Instagram there and Twitter. Like, yeah, he's, he's on
1: there. <laughs> he's always like, and and a lot of it is just trolling, which is fine. But like, he he right. uh, but he uh, like I I wrote a column like two days after Dame requested a trade. I wrote it, and Dirk doesn't even follow me. Obviously, like he and I know each other because I have covered him for a long time. But like, he doesn't actually like follow me on Twitter, so he must have just like seen it somehow. But like, I wrote a column like two days after Dame requested a trade about yeah. how. You know, Joe Cronin needs to take his time and make the best deal he can make, and not just send him to Miami because he wants to go there. And Nurk, like, I somehow he saw my tweet of my story that I wrote, and he mm. quote tweeted it with like the crying laughing emojis, and yeah. then like my mentions got, which is fine. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. I mean, Nurk Nurk and I have never had an issue with each other. He you know he and I have always got yeah. along fine. But uh, he he is he is very online, but he's a like, he's a funny dude. He has a good sense of humor. Like he was he was telling us yesterday that he. Uh, was telling Dame after the trade that he's going to send all of his winter coats and stuff to Dame because he's going to need them in <laughs> Milwaukee more than he's going to need them in Phoenix. And yeah. we were, and, I, and then I was like, wait, you're seven feet tall and Dame is six, three, like can Dame even wear your coats? And Nurk was like, he can cut them. He can get them like, altered. <laughs> <laughs> and so Nurk is a great, Nurk, yeah, Nurk, Nurk, I like Nurk a lot as a guy, obviously as a, as a player, you know, he has his issues and I think the sons are going to, run into some of those it's a lot of the same stuff that you were talking about with da where like the talent is there it's just a matter of like is he going to be motivated and locked in night to night if he's not getting the touches that he wants or he's not able to do enough of what he wants what about Nas? what have you thought about him so far
0: Nas has kind of been we haven't been able to see much of him he hasn't like kind of jumped out at us in preseason when he's been on the court um, he's a great dude. Like we love talking to him at great, media great day. Guy. I thought, yeah, I thought I knew, he had a I knew great... him very,
1: very well. He was probably yeah. the guy on the team that I knew the best.
0: Yeah. Like he he's, he's been great to us when we've been able to talk to him. Um, he had a, a really good, I thought inte- he's just an intelligent guy. You yes. can tell in mm-hmm. terms of how he answers yeah. questions. Um, so I had asked him kind of what he wanted to prove and improve here in Phoenix. And he was mentioning, I feel like a lot of the little things that I do, you know that I did on a team like Portland those will be magnified here on a team like this that's you know competing for a championship and obviously so far we're only 2 weeks in so it hasn't shown much yet I do want to see more from him and from KBD those are two of the you know defensive minded wings that we haven't really been impressed by yet on the court um but you know he's he's still young he has time new coach new system for the first time in his career so it's going to take an adjustment, especially with all these other guys that are from, you know, various spots. There's no, there's no continuity to build off of outside of book and KD here. So it's going to take some time. Um, but no, he's, he's been great to us when we've been able to talk to him. And so I'm, I'm hoping he will be able to crack the rotation. So we'll get to hear from him a lot more this year.
1: He just has a really level-headed approach to stuff. Last year he signed yeah. that set that four year 28 million dollar extension which is a way lower number than usually a guy signs for his rookie scale deal Mm -hmm. and we were asking him about it and why he didn't you know wait for restricted free agency to try to bet on himself and he was just like 28 million dollars is more money than i've ever seen in my life i'm just (laughs) gonna take that when it's on the table for me and it's like okay there you go like like by nba (laughs) player standards that's not a ton of money but like by regular people standards that's you know, that's more money than most people have ever seen. And he was just like, I'm just going to, I'm not going to overthink it. I'm just going to take this money and lock it in. And he's just, he's just, yeah, he's just a really smart dude. He's a really thoughtful dude. He's, he's, he's always, at least last year, he was one of the guys. I think the reason I got to know him as well as I did was because he's one of the guys that's always just in the locker room, hanging out when we're allowed in there. Like the more veteran guys, I think they know that like, when we're, yeah. the 30-minute window that we're allowed in there, like, they kind yeah. of, like, try to duck out. Like, you're never going to, I'm sure you're never going to see, like, Devin Booker hanging out in the locker room pregame because he knows right. that, like, <laughs> he can just avoid us. But Nas yeah. is always just in there, and he's happy to, like, we were talking one time, like, I was, like, like he had just bought a house, like, right after he got his contract extension. Like, he went—he he was renting until he got his money, and then once he got his money, he bought a house. And he was, mm. like, we, me and one of the radio guys here were talking to him, and he was talking about just, like, how expensive it is to buy furniture for your house and and it's just like wow like we may have different budgets for this stuff but like he's like one of those guys like he'll just, he's just a regular dude and he can just talk to you about all
0: right it's stuff. funny but, it's funny you mentioned the level-headed approach because the first couple of questions when we were asking about his reaction to the trade and mm-hmm. you know what he thought about it he gave very bluntly like his initial reaction in terms of, well, I was trying to find out who was going with me and where Dane was going and where everybody was going. Mm-hmm. And then we were like, OK, but then once you figure that out, like what was your reaction to coming to Phoenix? And, and he started talking about the trade, kind of like evaluating it like one of us would. He was like, well, I think obviously Milwaukee gets Dane. And then I think Phoenix gets, you know. Uh, a passing big and, and some solid depth with me and Grayson. Then <laughs> he's <laughs> like, that "Important like God, gets young." Yeah, he yeah, was like just evaluating it, like he wasn't a player whose life was involved or impacted by the trade. <laughs> it was, it was kind of funny the way he he kind of just viewed it and took it from that lens.
1: Well, the issue with him has always just been: can he stay healthy? yeah that's that's been the like when he is healthy there is no reason he isn't going to be a rotation player especially on a team like phoenix where they're like their roster is so top heavy where you've got the three guys on the max deals and everybody else is basically a vet min guy mm-hmm. uh he is gonna yeah. be a like, if he can stay healthy but the thing about him with his health is that it's all been stuff that's unrelated to each other it's not like mm-hmm. he has a, a knee that he keeps injuring or he has an ankle that like keeps being a thing like his, his uh, set going into his second year, which was the year that start was like, it was so his first year was the uh, the season that got shut down because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And then he didn't play in the bubble because he got a concussion the first day of training camp in the bubble. So he didn't play in the bubble. And then going into training camp the next year, he got COVID right at the beginning of training camp. And this was, like, right before the vaccine was out. So he, like, got it really bad. And it actually, like, yeah. he lost, like, 20 pounds because he was, like, like, Jason Quick at The Athletic had a really good story at the time where he, you know, Nas, like, talked through his whole, like, how badly COVID, you know, affected him. And it basically took him half the season to get back into playing shape because he was just so destroyed by COVID. And then after that, like the next season, he had like a dislocated shoulder and he had to have surgery on it. And then last year he had like a hip fracture and then he had an ankle. So it's all stuff that's unrelated to each other. It's just, he keeps getting unlucky with this stuff and isn't able to stay on the floor for that long of a time. But if he can stay healthy, I think he will be able to be a valuable contributor for the Suns. What are your impressioned uh, over the summer you had ha- he never ended up playing a game for the suns but uh mm. the other guy in the trade is tumani kamara who i have yeah. found out i have found out over the last couple of weeks that that is a very sore spot for suns fans because <laughs> i i was last week i was down in training camp for uh, in santa barbara and mm. just talking to folks in the organization like Like assistant coaches and like folks in the front office and just asking of them because we don't get to watch practice. So I've had to like ask folks like, you know, who looks good or, you know, like who's impressing Mm -hmm. in camp. And several people like three or four different people in the organization told me, Tomani Kamara's had a really, really good camp. He's been really impressive. He has a real shot to earn minutes. And mm-hmm. so I tweeted something to the effect of just like, I've heard that Tumani Kamara has had a really good camp, a pretty basic tweet <laughs> like that. And all of the replies and the quotes were Suns fans who were just furious at James <laughs> Jones for including him in the deal because he I, I didn't see any of the Suns summer league games. But I guess he had a really good summer league, but I did not realize how much of a, of a sore spot and an issue that was for, you know, Suns people online. Yeah, I mean, well,
0: part of it, Suns Twitter will take these things and run with them as like a bit,
1: I will say that.
0: But, like, Tumani did make a very positive impression in a short amount of time. Um, He only played a handful of summer league games, but he looked really good when he was out there. um, Aggressive, had more of a polished offensive game and kind of attacking the basket, pulling up near the basket before getting into the trees than a lot of us were expecting. And then defensively, we kind of knew he would be good in that respect because you know, he's long. He's got good defensive instincts. He's a very good athlete. I think he's going to catch some people uh, on some unfavorable posters this year in that regard because he can get up. But um, I was very impressed with what I saw. It sounded like the coaching staff liked him, too. Um, but when you're talking about like a multi-piece trade like this, mm-hmm. the Suns had very limited options in terms of guys they could include in a trade because most of their roster – had just been signed in free agency over the summer in terms of those like lower vet minimum salary type guys. Um, So I think Tumani was just kind of a casualty in that, but I I thought he had a a decent chance to earn minutes here. It would have been tougher, I think, here than maybe in a place like Portland, just because of, you know, the experience level needed for a, you know, a playoff run or whatever. But um, yeah, everybody that I had talked to about Tumani was saying the same thing that he's been, impressive and has a shot at minutes. So I'm I'm happy that's the case in Portland because when he got traded I was like, oh man, I hope that they know that he's actually like good. He's not just like another, you know, 52nd pick in the draft. Well, they guy. did.
1: They did bring him in for a workout before the draft. So Oh, that's he, right. They did. He, they yeah. did they did. We didn't get to talk to him and he wasn't really on my radar at all, but I, after the trade, I went back and looked at, like, I have a whole list of, like, everybody that they brought in for a workout, because a lot of, like, they brought in, up, like, up at the top, they only brought in, like, Scoot and Brandon Miller and the Twins, but, like, right. since they had, they had the third pick, the 23rd pick, and the 43rd pick in the draft, so yeah. they were bringing in guys kind of from all over the board, and plus they just have a G League team for the first time this year, which I believe the Suns are getting next year. And so they have like a whole G League roster they had to fill out. So they were bringing a ton of people in for workouts. And so after the trade, I went back and looked at the list of everybody that they brought in for workouts during the pre-draft process and they did work him out so he has been on their radar he also just all the stuff that you're saying about like oh you know he's a good athlete he's smart he plays defense I'm just like yep this is this is this all checks the boxes of like the Mike Schmidt's, you know regime of of like Blazers draft scouting this is all this that sounds like exactly like the type of guys that they've liked and that they've that they've brought in so I think they probably did actually want him in the deal as much as it was just like he had to make that they had to make the salary work
0: yeah he, he's I mean I know every fan base probably says this about their second round draft pick in terms of oh, we Steel. got a good one. this is going to be a steal here it comes <laughs> but i I like legitimately when I started you know looking into his game a little bit more and watching him at Summer League I, I legitimately felt like he could be a guy that maybe not like a steal of the draft but he could be a guy that second round pick comes in and plays a role in an NBA rotation which is kind of all you can hope for at that spot realistically so I, I i like him in portland and i hope he he does continue to impress and get minutes because he's a he's a good kid too he was telling us yeah. all about his you know bit, yeah yeah his draft day story and um he even it was so funny he only was in phoenix for a couple months obviously but on the way out he thanked the sun's organization like wholeheartedly for just drafting him and giving him the chance to pursue right. his nba dream even though they you know dumped him a few months later so that was cool
1: right yeah that it's it's always it's always funny when like somebody gets drafted and then there's never actually yeah. for them but they still like like thank yeah. them but but yeah i mean it's it's <laughs> it's always it is it is always funny especially and especially like it seems like he would be he would have been the type of guy that you would expect a team like the Suns to draft because they i mean in the same way that like you look at what denver has done with really? guys they've drafted like christian brown and peyton watson and uh julian strother who they just took this year like the teams that are, like, in the we-have-to-contend-for-a-title-right-now mode,
0: mm-hmm. where their
1: roster is so, like, because of, like, especially with the new CBA, with the, you know, the luxury tax and all this stuff, I and mean, you're paying three guys as much as you're paying Beal, Durant, and Booker, right. your choices are basic, and you've traded all your first-round picks for, you know, mm-hmm. to get those guys. You basically, when you have a second-round pick, you have the opportunity to add... A younger talent like because like, g- the guys that you're going to sign for like vet min deals and free agency it's going to be guys like drew eubanks who played here and i think is going to be a solid backup center but like those are the mm-hmm. types of guys you're going to sign you're not going to be signing somebody who's going to be like a star with right you know a vet min deal just like as a as a free agent but when you have you know the opportunity to take a second round pick you can get a guy with some upside but you also like those guys, you know, the teams like the Denvers and the Phoenixes and, you know, the Golden States or whatever, are going to probably lean more towards guys like Kamara who are older college players who might be able Mm -hmm. to step in and actually play rotation minutes on a team that's trying to win something as opposed to, here's a 19-year-old kid who's going to take three years (laughs) to develop into a player, but, you know, we have time, because you don't have time to develop him. You have to, if you're Mm -hmm. trying to win with, you know, a roster like Phoenix's, you have to nail every roster spot. And so Kamara... Actually, would have been the type of guy that made sense for them to keep, but I, you know, he had to be in the trade for money reasons.
0: Yeah, it was it was unfortunate, but to your point, it, it does feel like he's a, a guy that's ready to come in and play rotation minutes on an NBA team right now. Um, I think that would have been harder in Phoenix, but I, I think in Portland, he's. I think he'll he'll surprise some people. I'm I'm excited to see that from him.
1: Has have all three of the Suns guy? I haven't I haven't watched any preseason games besides Portland, but. Have the Suns three guys played yet in the same yeah, game? Yeah,
0: so so they played in the first game against Detroit. And in that game, they shot, I think it was 85% in the first quarter. So they, they looked good in their okay. action together. And then they sat, all three sat out, the second one, and then for the third one, um, everybody but Beal was in on that.
1: Yeah. Where do you kind of have yeah. them in the West with, like, the Denvers and the Lakers and the – like how, yeah. like, what do you, what do you think? You know, obviously the ceiling is very high, but also all three of those guys have had injury issues and the roster is so top heavy and there's not a whole lot of depth. Like where, like where do you kind of have them?
0: I, I have them at or near the top of the West. Honestly, I think the nuggets are still probably going to, you know, they're going to churn out regular season wins. They're going to be the toughest out in the playoffs. I think they're, you know, they deserve to be in that pole position in the West right now. But I don't think the Suns are that far off. And I think their depth is going to surprise some people in terms of, you know, they, they don't have maybe they don't have like a 10 or a 11 man rotation. But in the playoffs, when it goes down to eight or so, I, I think Grayson Allen being your sixth man is a luxury in terms of this was a guy that started 70 out of his 72 games for the Bucks last year. Um, I, I think Yuda is going to surprise some people in terms of the shooting that he can provide and being solid defensively. He and killed then the Blazers
1: I, last year when he was in Brooklyn. Did he? <laughs> he had like yeah. 18 points and he hit, he hit like six threes. I, I, yeah. Early, like, early on in the season. Yeah.
0: And, and he's going to be wide open just because of who he's sharing the court with. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I, I'd be shocked if he doesn't have a career year from three after, you know, having one last year in Brooklyn. Um, and then I think Eric Gordon getting him on a vet minimum deal was sneaky good. Like obviously last night he had the 20 points or whatever, but just in terms of having someone that can spread the floor five feet beyond, and then also doesn't mind a nice bully ball drive to the basket every now and then, um, that's going to be unfair when he's sharing the court with the big three, because spacing wise, I don't know how you're supposed to cover everything. Um, especially if Nurk is able to swing the ball where it needs to in the short roll situations, because you got to track one of those guys coming off a screen when Nurk sets it. So, it's it's going to be interesting, and I, I do think the Suns have a legitimate shot to win it all this year. I wouldn't put them ahead of Denver or Boston or Milwaukee right now, but they're in that same tier for me. I, I think they've got a better shot at contending and matching some depth than than people are thinking right now.
1: Is Keon Johnson going to make the roster, do you think?
0: I don't know. I, I feel like he hasn't been terrible in preseason. He's had a couple of, of decent drives um, where he can just get downhill and kind of finish with a, a floater in that mid-range paint area. But I, I it's tough because they have to cut two guys. Mm-hmm. Maybe, like Ish Wainwright has been dealing with a calf strain, so he hasn't played in preseason yet. And his contract is non-guaranteed, so he might be a candidate to get cut and maybe brought back on a two-way. You know, you like Keon's probably one of the prime candidates. Damian Lee tore his meniscus, um, so there's no timetable for when he might be back. So that that really sucks for him. But he might be a guy that gets the axe just for that reason. Um, I do think if they, you know, Vogel has said this and it's coach speak. He said he feels like everybody, all whatever 19 players they have in their gym. Are guys that can contribute to this team. So I think if they do cut Keon, they still have a third two way spot available. Mm -hmm. Um maybe if he's interested in that, they could do that. But um we we just really haven't seen or heard enough about Keon for me to say that like oh he's safe. I I think he's probably one of the two guys that'll that'll get cut.
1: Yeah. He's he's another guy kind of in the Nas category where just if he can ever stay healthy, he might be able to do something. Yeah. And he's just had a really rough run of luck with it over. Like he had a, I think it was a wrist or a finger or something last year. He he missed a bunch mm-hmm. of time last year. And then this year in his first summer league game, he dislocated his finger and he missed the whole rest of summer league. But he just, he's another guy who just has not ever been able to stay healthy. So. Yeah. He, and, and
0: he's, he's brought the energy like man. defensively. He's, you know, hounding guys all over the place. He's doing whatever you could ask of him. It's just one of those things where the, the talent ahead of him might might put him on the chopping block there yeah
1: well i mean hopefully if they do cut him i think you know it'd be good if he you know got to stick on stay on as a two-way guy maybe
0: right and that's why we're we're hoping this is the last year where the suns don't have a g league team because you know there there are some guys that they brought in on these two ways or that they've brought in on 10 days even that would it would benefit them to see what they have you know, playing in their system for a, a G League team nearby, but uh, haven't had that for a few years. So, is
1: that that's is that going to happen? Uh, not this season. I think the, the report that I saw was it's going to happen next season twenty four twenty five. Is that kind of the sense you getting You're getting?
0: Yeah. So we're we're waiting on word. There should be an announcement on like G League plans coming up from the team. Here soon, I think, but um, I would assume it's twenty four, twenty five is what they're aiming for. When I, when I had first interviewed Ishbia, when he first got here, um, I had asked about the G League team and he had said, you know, it's definitely in the works. They are going to have a G League team. Um, and then there was that report, I think last summer where, you know, it was us and uh, the it was the Blazers and the Suns that were Those basically the, last, the two. last two. Yeah, and they were planning on having that by the end of next season. So and The
1: Blazers are about to launch theirs for this right. season. And they did it in, like, six months, too. Like, they started, just like, thinking about it in April. And they right. were turning it around in time for this season. Oh, wow. That's wild. quick. Like, I think that's, like, the quickest turnaround. But it's very – and I've talked about this on here before. But it's it's – like, they had guys on two-way deals last year. And mm. they had to, like – send them down to like the sacramento g-league team or like right. greg brown who was one of their like just he wasn't on a two-way but he was like an end of the rotation guy they sent him to the ontario clippers just because chauncey and Lu have a relationship and they were like yeah we'll right. take care of him and it was just like sending him to another team's g-league team where he's not going to be a priority to develop them
0: right it's like a, it's, it's a just such a competitive
1: dis- it's such a competitive disadvantage for teams that don't have one so it's good that in a couple of years all, you know, all the teams are going to have them. So, uh.
0: yeah, especially for a team like Phoenix now that is, you know, they they have older guys, they have guys that need to contribute now. Like you don't want the development side of things to get lost in the process. Like you mentioned with their second round picks, they're going to have to make good use of those and if those guys aren't ready right away, they need somewhere where they can actually get minutes instead of just kind of like practicing with the team and that's the extent of it. So. Right.
1: One more thing before I let you go, kind of a little bit more on the business side of things. How has the reception been to the broadcasting the games over the air stuff?
0: It's been really positive. Like it's it's been, you know, obviously there are some people that are still trying to figure out what channel it is and right. like how they can watch because there's so many different ways to watch the NBA now, but um, it's been really positive. They had the free like antenna giveaway Um, where people could go on the website and if they didn't have access to one of those old school (laughs) antennas, um, you know, you could get one that was shipped to you free of charge and you could just set that up in your living room and watch Suns games on the local channels. So that was really cool. Um, You know, we're, we're still, I think they're still trying to figure out what channel it's going to be on with like direct TV and stuff like that, but people are going to be able to access Suns games. and, And I think the Suns have estimated that they'll be able to reach 3 million more households this way. Um, Which is awesome. Like that's that's always a good thing because especially here in Phoenix, like Phoenix, they have their diehard fans. But because there are so many people here from cold weather cities, they bring their sports fandom with them. It is. It's. I, I hate the term fair weather. It can be in some respects out here. But like, there's so many people transplants from cold cities that bring their fandoms with them. So, and you know, those those people are raising their kids to be fans of that team. So. You never know what kid you're going to raise to be a fan of the local team if they just have access to being able to watch the game. So that's going to be really cool out here. And hopefully like this is a son's town for sure. NFL is king everywhere, but this is a son's town. And when they are good, like the sons are all anybody wants to talk about. So that that'll, that'll be really cool. And, and Ishbia has lived up to his um, you know, everything he said in terms of making the whole game experience, fan experience, experience of being a player, media member, whatever, better. So that's been nice to see.
1: Yeah, that's something I think the Blazers are gonna look at when their current deal with Root right. Sports is up. I, I don't know how much of this you've seen, but there was some stuff the last week where mm-hmm. Comcast without getting too in the weeds about it, Comcast moved Root Sports from the regular channel tier up to only the top channel tier so that obviously cut a lot of people who had cable and had the ability to watch blazer games out of being able to do it unless they wanted to pay i think it's like 20 bucks more a month to subscribe to the higher package and a lot of people are mad about it and i've been trying to explain to people that like yes it's really cool what the suns did but they were able to do it because Valley sports and diamond is in bankruptcy and they literally could not pay their rights fees. And so that's why they were able to get out of the deal. But right. I I'm glad that teams like the Suns, And I also really like what the jazz are doing with their streaming package that they just uh, Mm -hmm. offered. And so I think that, 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 that kind of stuff is always stuff that I pay attention to. So it seems like it's going well in Phoenix, which is, which is great to hear Gerald uh, tell people, tell people about PHNX for those who aren't aware, which, Probably most of my audience isn't because we don't have that company in this city.
0: Yeah. So we're part of the all city network. Um, the first one was in Denver DNVR. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously we covered football, basketball, MLB, all the different major sports and, and some of the college teams. Um, so I'm obviously on the sun's side. We do, um, podcasts five days a week. We'll do like post game shows on game days. We'll do pre game shows for like regular season days. um, but it's, it's been a lot of fun. Like I I'm obviously a co-host on that podcast and then I'm kind of like the beat writer for our yeah. group. So, um, it, it's been nice to, like, I, I used to be able to cover Suns games when I worked for fansighted, but that was kind of the extent of it. I didn't have time to go to practices and, or the opportunity to even travel to some of these road games, which has been really fun with PHNX. Um, we, we launched one in Chicago and Philly recently um so it's been it's been really cool i, I, I mean i love my job like it's yeah. basically my dream of, that i'm living out here so it's uh it's it's nice being a part of the daily podcast but then also being able to do the beat writer reporter type mm-hmm. stuff that i've always wanted to
1: do yeah well to me you're the guy in phoenix with the suns i mean the stuff that you're writing, like, that. i i you know i i think i've tweeted out some of the stuff like like you sent me something that you wrote about kamara after the trade that was really good so i Tweeted that at everybody. Go check out Gerald's stuff on PHNX. Check out the podcast. Check out the writing. All that kind of stuff. Uh, thanks for coming on. We'll probably do this again at some point in the season. Maybe when they play each other again during the season. Maybe, maybe, maybe right. like they're in the they're in the same group now for the in season tournament. Are. Maybe that's a big. Maybe that's like a rivalry brewing now.
0: Yes, I if, love it. I would love some <laughs> spicy in season tournament games. especially like. with like
1: the <laughs> Nurk Aiden like the, that yeah. stuff like.
0: Yes, I'm I'm gotta here make for people it.
1: care about it somehow.
0: Exactly. I'm I'm one hundred percent here for the spicy Yeah, All right.
1: I'll talk to you soon. Man. Thanks for